2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: It's all football, all day, every Monday. Buffalo Bills Football Monday. Brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at Northwest.com.
3: Number two of Sports Talk Saturday is underway. Zach Jones with you. Corey Griswold behind the board. got about two more hours here. We've got noted jerk of noted hockey, Joe Yarden, coming up in just about a half hour to talk a little more Sabres hockey. Of course, they've got a game tonight at 10 against the Vancouver Canucks. And we do have some news for the Sabres. Defenseman Henry Yokiharu has been placed on IR to make room for Lawrence Pilot. He was called up from Rochester on Friday, so that was yesterday. So we got some Sabres news there, but I do want to transition a little bit before we go back to hockey to football. There was news all across the NFL. We have guys demanding trades. We have the trade deadline coming up on November 1st, and of course, a name that many Bills fans have been hearing for the last few weeks, if not the last few months, that being running back Chris McCaffrey. He is officially on a new team going from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers, and oh boy, not the greatest of... Trades, in my opinion. I, I I read an article where San Francisco got a C minus for it. I've yet to see a team or a, a writer give them a B or an A. It's pretty much C's and D's. If you have not heard, the San Francisco 49ers gave to the Carolina Panthers a second, a third, and a fourth rounder in 2023 and a fifth in 2024. There were rumors the Bills were slightly involved in this trade as well, or that they were they were kind of you know poking around, seeing what's going on. Uh, There were reports, I think, initially that the Sabres, or excuse me, that the Bills had offered a second-round pick, and, and that solely, and then there were also reports going around yesterday that the Sabres, or excuse me, the Bills, I'm still stuck on hockey, that the Bills had at least dabbled in sort of the, well, what would you want for them, and then backed off. It's not too surprising. The team is, of course, in a win-now window. Chris McCaffrey is a spectacular player that would have added to this offense at least a little bit. But for me, second round pick would have been tough to give up for the Bills, even though they're in a win now mode. They're in a mode now where it's not they're not the Rams in terms of their draft picks, where they're just, you know, bleep them draft picks because this team is very, very good at developing late round talent to serious contributors, Gabe Davis being one of them, and Matt Milano as well, and Taron Johnson, and really the list goes on. But just because it would be kind of for a rental player. The contract for McCaffrey is not terrible. That's not really the point, though. It would be a second-round pick, and you're likely bringing him in. You're likely moving all of your running backs around. You've got to justify that in some way. I'm okay that the Bills didn't do it. I'm much more on the on the wagon of go get a receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. is kind of the main one in that. But in the wide receiver market, we're starting to see that heat up as well because of the Carolina Panthers. Them trading away, Chris McCaffrey, has kind of opened up the floodgates for that team to go, while they'll never admit it, into a full-blown rebuild. They're going into a very talented quarterback class, and even the year after is is supposed to be even better. I know from experience as a Texans fan, as a Texas fan, Quinn Ewers is considered one of the you know marquee names of that draft class, and there 's many more as well and of course you 're always going to get that random guy who just pops off a season and all of a sudden goes from like a third fourth round talent to a first round talent. We all know that happens every year, whether they hit or not that that is what happens. but the Jets potentially could be out of a receiver as well, Elijah Moore, and then of course going back to Carolina with their full full blown rebuild. Uh, It is expected Brian Burns and D.J. Moore could be on the move. Brian Burns, a young edge rusher who is spectacular for them, and D.J. Moore, really, D.J. Moore has just become the new Stephon Diggs. I mean, they even share the same conference who you know, Stephon Diggs used to play for. He was on, of course, the Minnesota Vikings beforehand. But Brian Burns, to me, is probably going to be the next one for them that goes, even though for me, I would not get rid of Burns. Burns has 10 sacks in each of, I think, of his last two seasons, and he's 24 years old. He is the exact kind of guy you'd want to bring in and just, hey, keep it everything going. We're going to get rid of some guys. That's fine. There's no need to get rid of him. Moore, on the other hand, seems to be a guy that is likely they're going to lose, most likely. Just because he is a talented receiver in a Not diluted market. He is very much a valuable asset. Teams are not sitting there going, oh, I have too many wide receivers, I can't have another one. The Bills, the best scoring offense in football right now, and most fans do want the team to add somebody. Now, with that being said, DJ Moore, I think that might be a little too rich for Buffalo's blood. I think it'd even be too rich for Kansas City, who's kind of their main foe in this whole thing i think it'd even be too much for them but going through his stats a very good rookie year in 2018 or excuse me 55 receptions 788 yards and two touchdowns and since then he has had at least a thousand yards the rest of his career playing with garbage quarterbacks A wounded Cam Newton, P.J. Walker. This year, of course, he has Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Last year, he has just been able to just put together very, very good season after very, very good season. He's 25 years old. Someone is going to wind up with him. And I think it's got to be a team like Green Bay or even Baltimore has to make a move for a guy like D.J. Moore, if not Elijah Moore. No relation. Elijah Moore, though, is on his rookie deal. He's 22 years old and really kind of considered just like an up-and-coming guy where Moore you're getting and you're kind of expecting, all right, with a great quarterback, you're going to put up 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards, maybe even double-digit touchdowns. He could become that kind of guy. He could have another Stephon Diggs-type resurgence to his career because, well, we all knew Diggs was a talented receiver. He was never talked about in the best receiver in football Conversations until he got to Buffalo, where, of course, he has that all-pro season. He's spectacular. I believe he had the Triple Crown in receiving his first year in Buffalo, or at least he definitely led the league in receptions and yards. Maybe not touchdowns. I think that would have been somebody like Devontae Yeah, that was definitely Devontae Adams. But with that being said, I almost wonder, because a big conversation around McCaffrey and OBJ for Bills fans has been well, maybe we should just get these guys just so a team like Kansas City doesn't get these guys. Constantly have them chasing you rather than ever making any ground. You've beaten them twice in the regular season. You've added on defense. So now you're thinking going into the playoffs, all right, we've got them. We we can get them, and now it looks like we could potentially get them at home. And I saw a little bit of fear, not too much, of, of fans thinking, Oh, Elijah Moore, DJ Moore could wind up on Kansas City. That's we can't have that. You know, blah 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 blah. Not too much, and I'm and I'm kind of glad I didn't see too much of it because I, I didn't want to come on this and kind of talk everyone down. That's not really what, what I wanted to do, but I think a lot of it is just because I don't think either team is really number one. The willingness to to overspend for somebody, and really there are far more desperate teams. Kansas City can at least talk themselves into, well, we're still scoring, we're, we're still doing well, we and we had Buffalo on the ropes. Yes, it was at home, and we lost, but Mahomes had two picks. Like, they can convince themselves they're right there, that if they played better, they would have won. Buffalo, though, can do the same thing. A, you know, a turnover in the red zone on the first drive was a huge turning point for that game that made it as close as it did in the first half. The Bills did not play great that first half until basically the end of the game. But teams like Green Bay like Baltimore, they're not having the same discussions. Baltimore sitting here going, why can't we score in the second half? Why are we having these double-digit leads and completely falling on our face whenever it comes time to close out a game? And Green Bay is having the exact opposite conversation of, why can't we score in the first half? Why are we having such issues scoring at all? Now, for them, it's an easy answer. You got rid of the best receiver in football and had no real plans to replace him. With Baltimore, it's a bit different. Baltimore, for me at least, it's... Greg Roman, I think, has got to go as offensive coordinator. I even think Art Harbaugh has to look himself in the face. But they're going now in for the next, I think, four weeks. J.K. Dobbins is going to be out. They are now looking at a much more dire situation. They're 3-3, and but they're in a very, very winnable division of the AFC North. Pittsburgh is basically... Just walking around, having no idea what they're doing. Cincinnati, too far, like two up and down so far. And then Cleveland is two and four. And Deshaun Watson, though, does not look like he's going to make that much of a difference when he comes back from suspension. Baltimore's in a position that you can win your division, host a home playoff game in the wild card round, and easily get in the division round, depending on the opponent you're playing. But they've got to add something at wide receiver. DJ Moore is the one for me. I think if I'm them, I'm giving up a first-round pick. I'm giving up exactly what the Bills did for Stephon Diggs. Give up a first, maybe a third as well of the same draft, and just absolutely go for it. Because you've got it. You've got Lamar right now before you have to sign him to his big deal, but he's not going to be on his rookie deal much longer because they've waited to sign him, so you are very much in a win-now mode, and they've got to close that deal as soon as humanly possible. Because if they don't, they are going to get to a point where teams like Buffalo and Kansas City absolutely pass by them. Yes, it was a close game against Baltimore. The weather played a factor into that. And as well, once the Bills kind of got going in the second half, they were clearly the better team. And also, it's football. You'll lose some games. Some games will be close and they shouldn't be. That doesn't mean the teams are neck and neck. The Bills are absolutely better than Baltimore. Baltimore's 3-3 three and three for a reason. Buffalo's 5-1 and one for a reason. There's a number of teams in the NFL that are wide receiver needy that are in a position to do really, really well this season. New England, I think, could make a, a real serious move for DJ Moore as well. They're sitting at 3-3. Three and three. The Jets, well, yes, are 4-2. and two. They're basically doing it without their quarterback playing even remotely well. Their defense so spectacular. Their running game with Brees Hall, Michael Carter, very good. But as I've mentioned, they've got a receiver who they just drafted in the second round, not wanting to play with the team anymore. He wants completely out. So I guess my next question is outside of Kansas City, who's the team you're most worried about in the AFC making a move for a wide receiver? Now that McCaffrey he's he has opened up the trade deadline floodgates, he is the first name off the board. Let us know at 803 550 who is the team that you're most worried to make a move now that can really stand in the way of a, of a Bills run to the one seed? Maybe not even just the one seed, just a Super Bowl at all. Left on their schedule. Green Bay, of course. I don't think Green Bay is going to make a move, though, before you know next Sunday. But then later they get New England, of course. They get them twice, actually. They haven't played them yet at all this year. The Jets, they're not going to make a move for a wide receiver. There's no quarterback available for trade, so they're kind of Yeah, Cleveland, they really have no draft capital left. They're not going to be able to make a move. Cincinnati, they're not going to add a wide receiver. So really it comes down to some playoff teams or a New England. For me, it's Baltimore. I think the Bills are absolutely better than the Baltimore Ravens. However, the idea of them adding a player with that much talent in DJ Moore, who is just waiting for a quarterback that can really bring his game to another level. And Lamar is an elite quarterback. Watching him live, watching him and Allen live, there are three quarterbacks in the league that can do what those what those guys do. Mahomes is the other one. All three of them have have such a talent level though that just separates them from the pack. Yes, Mahomes or yes, Rogers and Brady are just as good. Theirs is much more longevity and just kind of having a complete understanding of the NFL game. They've played in that almost as long as they played in any other football. But those three do things that no one else can do, and so for me, that's where Baltimore is always going to be that threat. They're always going to be that fear. I've said it before on this on this show when I when I cover for Nate Geary that Josh Allen has entered a, a, a sort of a period of quarterback play in which I believe he will absolutely win a Super Bowl. Maybe it's with Buffalo, maybe it's with it's not, but I think it's going to be with Buffalo because he loves the city and this team is absolutely putting everything they can around him to to have him succeed. But the reason I say that is because he is one of the two or three best quarterbacks in football. It's not even really up for discussion. I think Lamar though is that discussion. While they're not the same player, I would put him in the same category in the 90s quarterbacks as Jim Kelly. The only difference is Kelly never won an MVP. Lamar has. And the big difference as well is the Bills did everything in their power to put the best team around Kelly. Was it just the best team overall? Yeah, probably. But they really added a ton. Running back, wide receivers, offensive linemen, a new offensive system that was revolutionary at the time. They did everything in their power to put the best team around Kelly and yet Kelly was 0-4 in Super Bowls. That's not necessarily to say it's his entire fault. It's not even really to say that it's his—you know anyone's really fault. It's just that it's the nature yes, of the game. Yes, it is. That's what you're saying. <laughs> but, it, but it is the nature of the game. You lose. But there are two quarterbacks, to me, in NFL history who were unequivocally the best at their time, or that most people really considered the best at their time, and they didn't win a Super Bowl. It's two guys. Fran Tarkington for the Vikings... And Dan Marino, after that, at least once, a guy that is considered the best or one of the two or three best quarterbacks of his era wins a Super Bowl. Kelly was never considered that. He always was behind guys like Marino, Elway, to a later extent, Montana, and to a more, obviously, throughout his career extent, Steve Young. Lamar is sort of on that fringe right there. Right now, we've heard the last few weeks, too. Especially, you know, AFC reverse power rankings with Shelton Bulldog and Joe's uh, Tuesday tears on the extra point. It's Buffalo and Kansas City and then everybody else. And it's starting to be not just the teams, but the quarterbacks as well. Lamar is right there on that fringe. And that's why they scare me. is because if you add that one more piece for him that the Bills did for Josh, they added Stephon Diggs. John Brown and Cole Beasley were damn good. They did their job very, very well but they were not exactly what Josh needed. Diggs was that. And for, I mean, if if you've listened to the uh, podcast with Von Miller and Stephon Diggs, you'll hear Diggs say the same thing. Allen was exactly what Diggs needed as well, that they were perfect for each other. And for Lamar, it could be the same thing with DJ Moore. That is why Baltimore scares me. We beat them, and that's fine. But I sat there, I went to that game, as my first road trip, I went with my family, and there were fans around us, Baltimore fans, saying, we'll see you in January, you know, can't wait to see you guys in January. And I was fine at that time thinking, well, yeah, if it's in Buffalo with our weather, you know, well, you know, it's the playoffs. Josh is dynamite in the playoffs. He's shown that the last two years. I'm not worried. I'm fine. I'm ready. If they had DJ Moore, though. Yes, our secondary play is great. But the ability that that man has at quarterback will always scare me a little bit. And them adding any sort of serious piece to that will always scare me. Because we it, it, it's hard to not think of the NFL in a bubble of just your favorite team. The bills are always making moves, the bills are never making moves, but other teams around you are are are, are doing that. San Francisco, I don't understand we you know I kind of went away from the, the Chris McCaffrey trade a little bit. just flat out my opinion on it. Don't understand why they did it. Jimmy Garoppolo is at best a mediocre quarterback. Yes, you can win the NFC, but to be fair, this to me doesn't sit there and go, yeah, but I think you're definitely going to like beat whoever represents the AFC. I can't imagine Jimmy Garoppolo winning a Super Bowl. I've seen him get there, and I've seen him fail at making key plays that would have put Kansas City away. They were the better team. Chris McCaffrey is an electric player in now maybe the best run scheme in the NFL. It is going to be fun to watch them. But I don't think that changes how I feel about that team. Lamar getting DJ Moore would change how I feel about that team. I think even if they got Chris McCaffrey, it would change how I felt about their team. Because it comes down to quarterback play, and that's where you do have teams of the Bill or fans of the Bills and the Chiefs hammering so hard for Odell Beckham Jr. Because you're at a point now where you can make those moves, and I do think Baltimore is also in that that realm that they can make a move. I mentioned New England a little bit as well. I think they could just do it just because they know they need receiver help. That maybe we get to a point finally where. Bill Belichick kind of admits he can't draft, has no idea how to evaluate college talent, but he's always proven he can evaluate NFL talent. So maybe we get to that point where they make a move and decide we're going for the playoffs and we're gonna and we're gonna show teams that we're for real, that we can really damage them. Maybe. But Carolina is going on a fire sale, and they have got some talented players. Their record may not show it; they're one in five. They are the worst team in football, at least record-wise. But I think they're gonna make some moves. And there are a few players on there that if they're traded to the AFC, I am absolutely petrified. I want nothing to do with them. I don't want to play Baltimore again in the playoffs if they get DJ Moore. I don't. I think the Bills could still beat them, but a player of his caliber, again, he essentially is just Stephon Diggs, stats-wise, Sneaky Joe put this out there too, he is essentially just Stephon Diggs waiting to be traded. 788 yards in his first season, and then he had... 87 catches, 1,100 yards, four, uh, four touchdowns in second season. 66 receptions, almost 1,200 yards in his third season, four touchdowns. And then 93 catches, almost 1,200 yards again, and four touchdowns. And his quarterback play was atrocious. At least Diggs. Teddy Bridgewater was fine in his rookie year. Then he has Case Keenum going off on a great year for him. And then Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a fine quarterback. The worst primetime quarterback ever. But he'll always flash a little bit at 1 o'clock. At least he had that. DJ Moore is a sleeping giant. And one I don't think the Bills can add. If they did, though, that's the best offense in football. You're also likely saying goodbye to a number of players because you will sign him back. I don't think the Bills will be seriously on DJ Moore, mainly because I think he's gone for a first-round pick. And again, he's not somebody that is demanded a trade. But if you're Carolina, they are thinking of a serious rebuild here. Of just, let's start it all over. Let's do this again, and we'll see you in a few years. Get CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. You'll have a few first round picks, a few second, a few thirds, and you can quickly, quickly, quickly rebuild. I think Moore fits that. I think Brian Burns does as well. They're rebuild, but they may not. And it does sound like Moore is going to be on the move. And if it is Baltimore, that team horrifies me to no end. We're going to take a quick timeout. We come back. It's guest time, and we're going back to hockey. We're going to have Noted Jerk, Joe Yurden of Noted Hockey. He's going to be joining us. We're going to talk a little Sabres hockey. We're going to talk as well the whole NHL. Minnesota, a team that has a ton of talent. They've been bad. The Rangers seemingly off of a great playoff run. They look just as good. We'll do that when we come back here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. A tradition like no other, and it only happens on Tuesday. Howard picks
0: the Bills. Brought to you by Admar Construction Equipment and Supplies. Equipment you need when you need it. Sal Capaccio takes you behind the scenes on Buffalo Bills Game Day with Sal's All Access. Watch it live on WGR's Facebook page. Sal's All Access, presented by Duncan. America runs on Duncan.
3: Welcome back to WGR Sports Talk Saturday. Zach Jones along with you for the next hour and a half or so.
0: Minimum of four lines
3: for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance
0: on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: Syracuse, by the way. They're playing Clemson right now. Clemson ranked number five in the nation. Syracuse, their first 6-0 start since the 80s. They've just tied up the game 7-7. to Syracuse, by the way, ranked number 14th in the country. But we are going to flip ourselves over to hockey we're on the Wester Hotline. Joe Yurden of Noted Hockey. He joins the show. Joe, how are you doing today, good sir?
1: I'm doing great, Zach. Thanks for bringing me out to the old Don Cherry music too.
3: That's pretty sweet. I, oh, Corey just has some spectacular bumps. He had an open today too. theres only. I I forgot I was hosting. I just I was like listening to the song and I'm like, no, no, no. We're just gonna we're gonna carry this for two and a half minutes. But oh, yeah. good times. <laughs> But Joe, man, I mean, we're having a good time with the Sabres so far. Three and one. They've got a winless Vancouver team later tonight, ten o'clock. Sabers after dark. Love it. And mm-hmm. the vibes around the team—they have stayed good. How are you feeling at the start of this? This, I, I guess, another hot start for the Sabres.
1: Yeah, this is this is a little bit more interesting than I'd say any of the hot starts we've seen in the past. I mean, you know, we think back to like the ten-game win streak a few years ago. That hot October they had, where Carter Hutton basically allowed only one goal, and then, you know the wheels came off in both those situations. This feels different because, well, the talent level is a lot better. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin is a monster right now; he's he's unbelievable. Uh, and Eric Comrie has been very strong in goals. so this is uh, this is shaping up to be pretty good. Get, honestly, there's a handful of guys where you know they're having they're having slow starts of their own, but. Hasn't hasn't affected him. hasn't hasn't gotten in their way in any way. So this is this is nice to see.
3: I've got a few guys. I mean, you mentioned them right there. So I'll, I'll just go in order. But Rasmus Dahlin, of course, he breaks an NHL record for a goaltender start with four goals in his first four games. I, is it just a hot start? Is this kind of the new Dahlin we should expect, where he is just an offensive force? I mean, can he you know keep it up? you know, what's going on with him?
1: Well, the funny thing is, we, we've not seen Dahlin have a start like this uh, ever in his sabers career each of his four seasons kind of got out to slow starts i mean some of them lasted a few months uh which i mean you know hey that's that, those were very unfortunate times but uh but dalene everything about what he's doing his, his attitude his, his play style everything is is different than what we've seen in the past and it's all for the better uh you know the the offensive stuff obviously i mean he's he's excelled at that always uh, but this is different. He's finishing his shots now. It's not just, you know, setting up, uh, you know, getting assists and getting second assists. This is, this is him putting the puck in the net himself. So that's, that's really good to see. And the defensive side of things, man, he's, he's physical now. You know, before he used to, I mean, he was getting hammered on constantly, and that was always an issue. But now he's the guy delivering the hits. Like, he, people are gunning for him still, but, like, he, he's, not, he's giving it back to him. Which I mean, geez, if there's something that's gonna endear you to all the fans in Buffalo, it's feeding guys their own lunch back to them, and that's what Dalene's doing, and he's being kind of a jerk about it too. Which I mean, listen, that guy after my own heart.
3: Me and Corey, in the in the first segment, we opened up the show, and like one of the things we said about Dalene is he's he's kind of a pest. He's annoying. Like he he really he doesn't shut up. He's in people's faces, and he's got the talent to to hold it up. And it I I went to the the Florida game, and and while the Sabers lost, it's their only loss on the season. I mean, he he looked like he wanted to fight everyone on the Panthers. It was awesome. Like The crowd got into it. It was great. The other guy yeah. you mentioned getting off to a hot start, though, Eric Comrie. I mean, he was considered very much an analytical darling signing. It was something that was very exciting because he was a guy, he had, what, 27 starts in Winnipeg before signing with Buffalo, and and so far he has been spectacular. And maybe the one negative thing for the Sabres that's kind of been eye-popping, the amount of shots they, they, they allow on that, but he has just been spectacular.
1: Yeah, he's he's been so strong. I mean, even uh, I mean, the Florida game, they lose that game, but geez, he he played awfully well in that one too because they were giving up odd man chances all over the place. They really he had a he had a rough night that night, but it was just because of the amount of work that he that he had to deal with. He saw a ton of shots against Calgary, he saw a ton of shots against Edmonton, but you know, in in both of those situations, it was really a lot of score effect stuff, so you know, you get to that third period and you know, you're you're riding a one or two goal lead, maybe even a three goal lead, and you're just kind of like, you yeah, know, we don't even need to push it right now, but the other team's going to come after you, and that's that that's what certainly what Edmonton did. They you know, they piled up 20 plus shots in that third period, you know, they still came away with the loss. So good for the Sabers, and you know, Calgary, I mean, they, just, they ran all over Calgary. So I I, I can forgive the, the the wild shot numbers if it continues. If they hit a you know if they hit a you know a bump in the road, and the shot numbers are still pretty rough and I I think that's a a reason to be concerned but we're talking what four games five games into the season right now I'm not sweating it too much just because they 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 played so well otherwise
3: speaking of playing so well J.J. Paterka he has been very much a bright spot in this young season four points in four games I I want to say yeah he's had one point in each game he has looked very much like a veteran, not really worried about the, the NHL's pace, which is something that the preseason, he, he was a little dicey on. He didn't have a great preseason. So how, how do you feel about J.J. Paterka's start? But also, kind of on the flip side, the other rookie, Jack Quinn, I mean, he got effectively benched for Hinnestroza, who he himself now almost looks undroppable for the assist numbers he's putting up. He's been one of the best five-on-five guys for the team. What do you, what do you make of the two rookies so far to start the season?
1: Well in Paterka's case, he's he's found a real bond with Dylan Cousins. Uh those two have worked so so well together. And we saw it these what was it? I think it was the Ottawa game, uh where they had that give and go. Is the Ottawa floor, I forget which one, but uh but they had that give and go play against uh one of the defenders right in close. I mean they, that was basically from the top of the circle in and it was just a you know, bang bang, two passes and Paterka puts it in the net. Kind of play, and those two have just really fed off of each other. It's you know, it's Cousins doing a lot of the physical stuff, he's a puck hound, Paterka's the speed guy, he's able to get away and get behind defensemen, uh, and create problems that way. That's been a really nice thing to be able to see, and you know, Paterka's thriving on it, and so is Cousins. I mean, Cousins may not have all the points and whatnot, but geez, it's the same thing as it was for him last year, where he's playing so well, it's just not really getting rewarded. Finally got a goal the other night, which is good. Quinn's case, you know, I it, it's a little conflicting just because you know he you know he wasn't really a big factor the first couple of games. He didn't you know wasn't generating a lot of shots. You know he wasn't you know he didn't crack his way onto the power play you know, out of camp. So you know there's there's some work to be done there. But it, it, if he stays in the lineup and he's playing you know seven eight nine ten minutes a game, is that any good? I I don't know if that really helps him out, you know, at at all to do that. So taking him out, yeah, it stinks to see because everybody's expect, you know, has very high expectations for him. You still do, Um, but I mean, he's Henestrosa, just grabbing it by the grabbing the bull by the horns and and getting in there and stirring stuff up, and you know, piles a bunch of assists. That's great, but figuring out a way to get him back in the lineup. It's going to be interesting because, because you need somebody to kind of peel off and, and you know maybe have their own kinds of struggles but or just you know hey listen you know maybe Paterka slides for a couple of games and you say okay Jack now's your turn get in there and see what you can do just kind of play it that way because these rookies listen they're going to have bumps they're, there's going to be times where it's not going to look so hot and that just happens and from Quinn's case it's unfortunate because it happened right off the
3: bat. Now, the next five games. I've looked at the schedule. I've looked at it maybe too much, at least to start the season. They finish on a really good run here to end October. Of course, they've got Vancouver tonight, Seattle to finish out the West Coast trip, Montreal, Chicago, and Detroit. Are we looking at the way they've played and kind of the way that they're really they're hammering teams and they're really going after them? Should Sabres fans kind of start to expect maybe a bit of a win streak here? Or is this kind of looking a little bit where it's like, all right, they'll probably... You know, peter off a little bit here against some teams that are maybe closer to their abilities rather than the the Edmonton's and the Calgarys of the world.
1: This is it, it's certainly hopeful. It's very hopeful because uh, you know Seattle uh, Seattle's playing better than they have than they did last year. Matty Beniers looks fantastic. Uh, Shane Wright got his first goal the other night, so that's so that's interesting. They're, you know, they've they got an interesting group. Still not great. Their goaltending still rough. So. Yeah, if you want to play pick the sabers you know if you want if you want to do that uh i would certainly say they beating seattle's the way vancouver's gonna be a tough one tonight because it's their home opener and they had some really hard losses on the road so they're gonna be fired up uh so i'd be a little bit i'd be ready tonight obviously you gotta be ready for every game but uh but the, but i'd be ready for a different kind of vancouver team tonight uh in montreal i mean geez Mont- montreal's Playing fun, they've got their own sort of Sabers vibe thing going on there, because uh, Marty St. Louis has changed that whole that whole thing up since he since he came in last season. So that, the talent level's still not great. Don't get me wrong, but they're 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 playing above their heads and they're playing pretty strong hockey and they've done well against some good teams. Uh, Chicago, I mean, geez, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago beats Arizona by a bunch the other night. People are just like, oh, Jesus, they look okay." And I'm like, "Settle down." Any, anytime you, you throttle Arizona, I got to say, pump the brakes and unless you're Toronto and you lose to Arizona and that's just kind of like, well, that's that's just funny. But, um, but it's it, the, the Detroit game is the interesting one to me because I really like the way Detroit's played this season and they're going to be very tough. Uh, they, you know, I, I look at them as, you know, them in Ottawa got had a lot of hype coming into the year because they made a big, you know, bunch of off season changes. Detroit's pace looks really good. They've got a ton of talented young kids there too. So, it's interesting. This division could get turned on its head in, in a year or two with with the way some of these teams have have set things up with the with the young guys
3: they have. Before I let you go, I, I do want to get your opinion on something. Me and Corey in the first segment today, we were talking a little bit about some of the issues for the Sabers. We've talked a little bit about you know the shot volume they're letting up, and it's and, and you know that's kind of something that they can maybe figure out. And it's the first four games, it's not you know panic yet, but the power play for the Sabers has been very uh, dicey, is probably to say is probably the best way to put it. They give up the puck a lot. They're a little sloppy. Their penalty kill has been fantastic. They have a lot of shorthand chances. They've been very aggressive. But what do you make of some of the struggles they've had on the power play so far to start the year?
1: I look at the power play as this early in the season, it's always a work in progress because these teams, they practice the special teams all the time. Every practice during training camp had had the power play getting worked on. You're trying to do different things. You're trying to work on it's, it, but it's a lot of in-zone work. Uh, the problem the Sabres have had is getting into the zone. Uh, the, you know, the the you know we've seen the, the return of the drop pass entries, and, and teams are so scouted for that stuff to begin with that it's hard to get away with that because because teams know if you can lay back and just let those guys come at you and you just kind of casually forecheck at them, they're going to drop pass it, and the forechecker is the guy you're trying to get out of position. Well, they're not getting out of position and teams are just lining up three guys on the blue line, waiting for you to to try to, you know, go into the zone. So there's, there's some, there's some things you have to tinker with and they're always tinker with stuff in the power play. I I, I give power plays a little bit of time just because you you need to work it out. Usually it's the opposite. Usually the power plays blow up in the first, you know, the first few weeks because teams don't have their PK down very well. Uh, This has been the opposite, which is a little bit weird, but, uh, but, I mean, I would take solace in the fact that the PK's been pretty good and the fact that they're using some of their faster guys that have skill to kill penalties like Middlestat, I mean, that can make a big difference. I mean, geez, the, the goal Casey scores the other night was just – I mean, that was electric. That was – you know, just – that's the kind of thing you want to see. People call it the power kill, and that's that's why they call it that for a reason because if you can score goals, you know, being down a man – boy, oh boy, you can really scare some power plays into making mistakes with with that kind of uh, ability on the other side.
3: On the Western Hotline, Joe Yurdin of Noted Hockey and the Maintenance Day podcast. Joe, before I let you go, what do you got coming up? I mean, Sabre season, now it's in full swing. NHL's going on. What's happening for you?
1: Yeah, we got, well, like, Noted Hockey, obviously, I'm doing a ton of that, ton of Sabre stuff there uh, with that. Uh, gonna, you know, it's, hey, listen, when there's games and there's stuff going on, I'm going to be writing about it, working on stuff all the time. Uh, also at Bleacher Report doing, doing some fun stuff there. Uh, broke, broke down the, uh, the reverse retro jerseys. I know people love that stuff, but, uh, broke those down one by one, one word each, uh, recently on there. So that's, that's fun to do. Uh, and maintenance day every, every week, uh, with, uh, with Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo news. So we're, uh, keeping it busy over here, man. It's, it's a lot of stuff, but you know what? I love it. Love it. It's, it's, it's so good to be back and doing this.
3: Awesome, love it, Joe. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Enjoy the Bills' bye week. Got game tonight, though, of course, at ten o'clock. So it'll be a late night, I imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta go find a way to get to, get some caffeine in me or uh, or take a nap. I gotta do a, I gotta
3: get a pregame routine down at some point
1: here, Zach. This is. Uh... Oh, I'm,
3: I'm 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 right there with you. I'm right there with you. It's it it is brutal. I will tell you though, we're not really in golf season, but a golf nap on a Saturday that'll get you going until at least three in the morning. I'm telling you. <laughs>
1: I, I might have to uh I might have to take that one up considering these uh these ten o'clock starts, man. It's we're not even out there and it's it's tough on this
3: side because that game's not gonna be over until like one AM. Yep. It's a total grind. Joe, enjoy the rest of your day, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate the time, Zach. Thanks so much. That was Joe Yerdin of Noted Hockey and the Maintenance Day Podcast. We're gonna take a quick time out and we come back. Love is blind season three, baby. I'm I'm all in on trashy reality television. I gotta talk a little bit about it. When we come back here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started
0: at Northwest.com.
3: The bumps have been spectacular today. The bumps have just been absolutely spectacular. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Although, you know what? This makes sense for the segment I'm going to talk about now. Trashy reality television. I'm all in again. There are times when I watch true quality television. House of the Dragon, Succession, and or now on Disney Plus is great. Better Call Saul. And then I like a good palate cleanser. It's like having ice cream after like a really, really good dinner. You're like, I'm... Still gotta have the trash every now and then. Love is Blind season three. Corey, are you a big reality television guy?
4: Not particularly. Okay. Uh, the wife watches uh, Below decks okay. on the Bravo every now and then, so I catch it in transition. Uh, I I see people, you know, having fights on a boat when they're it's spectacular. Feeding the wealthy, and all yeah. I'm thinking is like, when does the U boat show up? I would really, uh, <laughs> I'd be rooting for the torpedoes. But um, no. The torpedoes
3: I, are the producers that cause conflict. <laughs> That's true. That's I, the torpedo.
4: I don't. I don't get. A, I don't really watch a lot of television. Honestly, I don't get a lot of time. That
3: everybody else has got control of the TV. I don't get a lot. Same. That's like a very dad move. It's just like I won't. Like, Derek Kramer here as well. He says the same. It's really I know. I, I, Derek like walked. TV. He heard the trumpets and walked in and started laughing. I saw him what he walked First in. off, Corey and Trombone Champ is a combination that is undefeated. It's absolutely undefeated. And secondly, undefeated. yeah, like Corey said, you know, being old means you just don't watch a lot of the the. Garbage TV shows. No, I There's refuse. Got th- I ain't got, ain't got time for that. I refuse. It's like a ain't top three time, for time in my life is when I watch like a trashy reality television. The beautiful television, part is so. I can't hear you. <laughs> that's cruel. That's cruel and unusual punishment right there.
4: I mean, the closest I ever got to watching reality TV was probably like how it's made. Oh, that's good. Okay. You were uh, look, never a Jersey Shore guy? doesn't count. No, never. Oh. What? Okay, wait. Let me take that back. Like, we're going way back into the past now. Possibly. Road rules. So, we're talking like the the, the MTV Prime, when MTV was like the home for when reality TV first started for the youth. Mm -hmm. Yes, I used to watch Rolled Rules, but only the first couple of seasons, and then I quickly transitioned out of that. I never got into it when it proliferated, especially when it made it to broadcast TV, like with The Bachelor or other shows like that that started to take off, like Survivor. I never got into Survivor, never got into The Bachelor. So, that was a real impediment to me being like, having access to reality TV watched iron chef a lot iron chef's fantastic got so like cooking shows that will, I will get into cooking shows but that's pretty much are you, it
3: are you big on the what is it the british bake off or big british bake off i don't know never watched <laughs> the, that one the,
4: the big uh, big uh, british there's too many b words in a row the that's british ridiculous it's a parts. terrible title. i don't yeah uh, i've yes i've probably watched most of that show even though i wouldn't even really consider myself a fan of it like it's just again okay. my wife is the first access avenue mm-hmm. into that and i'm hanging out. i was like yeah sure i'll watch it whatever it's, it's 70 fair. it's 70 degrees out and they're complaining i'll absolutely watch it i'll day. absolutely watch it
3: Oh, I just – there's something about these relationship television shows that just – it warms my, like, cold, dead heart. Just watching these people absolutely make the worst financial decisions in their life. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, you know what? Y- y- honestly, you know what a big goal of mine is? This may, this may shine a light on my personality that I just didn't know was there. Good news, you're on the radio. No, exactly. So I'm, I'm just going to do live. I desperately want to be a reality television show villain. That well, is like a life goal of mine, is to just be the absolute worst on a reality TV show. Amazing Race, Kitchen Nightmares, Now Love is Blind, that's my big one that I watch. Any one of them that I can be a villain, I want to it, like at least once in my life go through that.
4: I feel like the best way to be a villain in those circumstances is to somehow make it seem like
3: you're not actually doing it on purpose. Absolutely.
4: You're just you Mr. Beaning it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mr. Beaning it, and then like in like the last two episodes, you're like, no, 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 this was all on purpose. I am a menace to society. I am an agent of chaos. The heel turn. Oh, the the heel turns are spectacular. But that's something I watch these shows and like. There's no one like as a true villain on on like the show I'm watching. It's more just if anyone doesn't know the concept of Love Is Blind is that for the first four episodes or is first it
4: that Love Is Blind is exactly.
3: That... Okay. No, it's exactly that. Oh, they're very on point with their titles for like the first two episodes. They're what's they're in what's called these pods. And you essentially can't see the other person, and you're trying okay. to form a deeper, more meaningful connection. I'm doing the, you know, air quotes. Sure. Um, so that it can prove that love is blind and that you can fall in love with somebody without ever actually seeing them, which is like total bogus because right. it's reality television. So my favorite part of that is all of you are conventionally attractive. That's right. So that when they do like this big, grand, like, oh, here's their reveal, I'm like, she's a model, and he definitely yeah, was looked- in a magazine. Nobody on that show looks like Mike Fellino. No. My favorite part, though, is when you do have. There are the slight villains, and they're not good people. They're my favorite when, like, they see the conventionally attractive person, the nine out of ten. Everyone says it. They're like, in like the little confessional, I'm a little disappointed. They're not really my type. But I'm like, dude, what is your type, <laughs> Aphrodite? What is going on here? And you're just like stunned. I was texting my cousin. Me and her both watching. And we're and we're. I'm. I got to text her now, too, to make sure she's watched it. But I'm like, I love it. It's just, it's, it's complete garbage. And I need the little bit of a pal cleanser after. Cause I, I I'm a TV junkie. That's my big thing. You know, one of my favorite shows of all time is The Americans, was like a sort of like barely oh, yeah. watched show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. On FX. I love it. I'm a big House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones fan. So I need that every now and then. We're like, it's not sports. It's not serious low television. Stakes. You need low stakes. Low stakes, baby. That's all I'm about for, like, you know, Three hours on a Sunday during the bye week where like there's no good football. Like cause I get up early. I'm that's right. Uh, you know, that's who I am. And I'm just like, I can just sit back, recline a little bit, and laugh. It's just absolute chaos unfolding on screen. I love it. We're gonna take a quick timeout and we come back. We're gonna jump into a little bit of the NFL as a whole. We haven't even talked about. College football today as well. Syracuse and Clemson, they're going at it right now down in South Carolina. We'll talk as well about the Sunday window. The bills are on the bye, but the NFL rolls on, and we will too. This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR.
0: Former NFLer and Odyssey insider Ross Tucker joins Shope and the Bulldog every Thursday at 5 p.m. Brought to you by Northwest Bank for what's next. Get started at (sighs) Northwest.com.